Colossians chapter 3, dealing with once again the wardrobe. I spoke last week about my new outfit that I got for Christmas that I'm still learning how to wear because I like the old ones so much better. And it is true that we like that. I also have a pair of shoes that I bought because the old one was getting kind of old. So guess which one I wear? I keep wearing the old one. And I threaten, I've threatened several times to throw them away. Somehow I haven't developed the courage to do so. I still like the old pair. And we struggle in our lives like that, do we not? Paul uses this image of putting off, taking off, and putting on. Since that when we become a part of this union with Christ, this, this relationship we call salvation, we begin to voluntarily put off certain things that we were born with. And we begin to put on certain things that we received when we are born again. And so there's this constant exchanging of the wardrobe. And so I looked at the text at the beginning of the week and thought, this has to continue. I just can't finish at verses 8 and 9 because it continues. It continues to go on and on. And, and just like you and I get new clothing and shoes as the years come and go, it is exactly the same way with our spiritual life. We cannot live with just being saved. Nobody will believe that God has power to change our lives if we continue to indulge in the same thing that always controlled our lives. So last week, Paul dealt with things like anger and wrath and malice. Most people know Christianity for what it doesn't do. We don't do this, we don't do that. But very few people know Christianity for what it does. How many of us have been able to show people the difference that Jesus Christ makes in our lives since we have become a part of God's family? Paul says there should be a time when we begin to redress ourselves. We're taking off the old and we are replacing the old with the new. For example, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. In the, in the Greek, it is all things are passing. And new things are coming. So, so that I do not, I do not, uh, I think it was... Um, Oh, I'm thinking one of the philosophers. I wasn't thinking of him until just now, actually. He said, you cannot put your foot into a the same river twice. Because if you put your foot in and take it out, the river is moving, so it's a different river. There's some philosophy in that. But my friends, it should be between you and me, or in you and me, that people are able to see a different you from character-wise today than they saw yesterday or the day before. 
Yesterday I shared a piece, and I, I'm going to share the, the next piece with the men at the breakfast by the name, a man by the name of John Perkins. Perkins was a part of the civil rights movement in the 60s. Hated white people. Saw his brother killed in prison. And moved from Mississippi and thought, I will never go back there again. Went to California with his wife and was settling down. And his little girl started to go to Sunday school. That's why we will not give up on Sunday school. She went to Sunday school. And she went to Sunday school. And before too long, she invited him to Sunday school. And to please his daughter, he went. That's when he was exposed to the gospel. And he kept going back, kept going back until God opened his eyes to see the truth. And he was transformed. He's <laughs> telling the group, he dropped out of school before he finished grade three. And today, he has eight degrees given to him by universities from across the United States. He started schools and so on. But the interesting thing is that when he was in California, where he became a Christian, he wanted to stay there. And he said, I could not get away from the fact that God wanted me to return to Mississippi, and I didn't want to go. And he fought God, and he fought God uh, until he got sick. And he realized that part of his sickness was his rebellion against God, and he surrendered. And had he not gone back, his name would not be known today as it is known across the country. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power. As I said to my class this morning, the gospel is not dynamite that disintegrates. It is dynamite that integrates, that brings people together within themselves and with one another. And so this morning, for the time remaining, we want to look at this, the character of this redressing. What does it look like when we throw out the old and put on the new? Now remember, Paul is not talking here about physical clothing. He's talking about the moral change that takes place in a person when he or she becomes a part of the gospel. What does it look like? What's the proof of it? How can people really see or believe that something has happened to me? In Ephesians 4.25... Paul says this, Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth every one of you with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. When we surrender to Jesus Christ, when he becomes the indwelling presence of the invisible God, Something happens to my character. I'll cut that short because I want to read this. It's a, it's a story of Yaakov. Yaakov. He was an evangelist, a Polish evangelist. 
He arrived in a certain village. He communicated, he communicated with an, early, uh, an elderly man named Simran on the tragedies he had experienced and talked to him about the love of Jesus. Simran abruptly interrupted Jacob and said, I don't want to hear anything about Christianity. He rehearsed with Jacob the tremendous difficulty he had with the church, what they did, how they behaved. And so he thought he was going to try a little bit of philosophy. And he said to him, now just imagine, just imagine, supposing someone steals your coat and robs a bank, and as the fellow who robbed the bank is making his escape, someone saw the jacket he stole from you. And the next day the police comes to you and says, your jacket was found as a part of what was done yesterday. What would you say? And he said, I know what you're getting at, but leave me alone. And so Jacob decided to leave him alone. But he decided his next step was to live out the gospel before him. And he lived out the gospel. And he lived out the gospel. He continued to return to the village, befriend his friend, encourage him, and he would share Christ. Finally, one day, Simmerman asked, How does one become a Christian? And he taught him the simple steps of repentance for sin and trust in the work of Jesus Christ and gently pointed him to the shepherd of his soul. Listen, please. Simmerman bent his knees on the soil with his head bowed and surrendered his life to Christ. And he rose to his feet, wiping the tears from his eyes, embraced Jacob and said, you have worn his coat well. You were wearing the coat well. The coat of the beauty of Jesus. The coat of the love of Christ. The coat of forgiveness. The coat of, of, of truth. You were wearing his coat well. That's the coat he gives us. And I ask you, my friends, how did we wear that coat this past week? How did my, my wife see the coat that I was wearing at home? The grocer, when I went to Safeway, what did they see? I was at Safeway the other day, and I was at the, you know, these automatic checkouts. They are wonderful things at times. And, and I was standing there, and it just would not take my, my article. So there was supposed to be a light on top flashing to say help is needed. And I'm standing there waiting. And there's nothing I hate like standing up in a store. So I'm standing. I thought, oh, forget this. I'm going to just leave it there. I'm going to go back to the, to the counter and get some more stuff and go to another machine. So I did. The other machine worked. I'm walking out. Somebody's running up behind me. Did you forget some things? 
I said, no, I didn't forget them. I didn't want them. And, you know, I thought, I wonder if, I hope he didn't think that I was trying to get out without paying for the stuff or whatever the case might be because you can't tell what they're doing anymore. But I wanted to make sure that I was wearing the coat of honesty well. I wanted to make sure that if I go back into the store, they're able to say, we can trust him. Because, friends, the way in which we conduct ourselves as a result of our union with Christ, we begin to redress our behavior. We begin to think differently. So the proof, then, is how we wear the coat, how we redress ourselves. And in verse 10, now Paul is going on. There is a very important truth that is, that is missed by some. Listen, listen to what he says. Look at verse 10 of Colossians 3. And, and a connecting conjunction, and the reason you don't lie, the reason you don't practice lying, is because you have put off the old man and have put on the new self. Who is being created? Please listen, none of us, none of us become instantly whole, instantly pure, instantly honest, instantly, it is, a, it is a process. It begins at the cross and then it continues from there. And just as a little child grows out of the delivery room and becomes a young adult and then becomes an entrepreneur, whatever it might be, so it is with the Christian life. So Paul said, we are being renewed. The old, the old is passing, the new is coming, and it is replacing. The new self is something new. It is not made like anything that existed before it, humanly speaking. The wardrobe is not a philosophy. It is a life which is described as a new self. Listen to these texts, please. Proverbs 4.18. The path of the just is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter to the perfect day. The path of the just you know, sometimes I get up and I look out my window and it is dark. And as I sit at my desk, I can see that the dawn is changing. And before too long, I'm so engrossed in what I'm doing, I look up and say, oh, the sun's shining. More and more to the perfect day. What progress have you made? What progress have I made? in my walk with Christ that I'm becoming more and more wearing his coat every day of my life. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, 
are being changed into his likeness. As we spend time with him who now lives in us, we become like him as we spend time with him. I change into the same image. Galatians 4.19 My children with whom I again am in labor until Christ is formed in you to pass from that which you were born with so that you become more and more like that to which you have been born into until Christ is formed in you, until his very stamp is in your behavior, in your thought life, in your relationships. It is being renewed. Nothing could be more disturbing for the Christian than to feel I ought to be different and I'm no different. I truly desire to be, but I'm not. But when you come to realize that because you desire to be different than you are is the first sign that you're changing. You see, my friends, when we are satisfied with the way we are, it means that we're standing still. But when I become dissatisfied with the fact, why did I have that thought? Why did I, resp why did I respond to my wife or my husband that way? We're dissatisfied. I don't want to be that way. That's a sign, my friends, that you have the life. And God is saying, I want to take you from there to the next step or to the next level, as we like to say. Look, if you please, but not only do we have the proof, not only do we have the progression, but I want you to see the providence. That is, there is an unseen activity in your life and mine when we respond to Christ living in me. Listen to what Paul says. This new self, this new self is according to the image of the one who created him. This is not, this is not me turning over a new leaf. This is not me trying to, to say I'm going to be better. This is a complete transformation. I am being changed into the image of God's son and only God can make me like his son. Religion will not do it. You know, I heard, I heard about those 13 children that were incarcerated by Christian parents and what they were doing. My friends, that's not Christianity. That's not what the Bible teaches. When you see behavior like that, you can go to anyone and say, that's not from the Bible. No Christian parents would, would incarcerate their children and put them in a subterranean in their home and starve them and chain them. That's not Christianity, friends. That's barbarism. You know, I, I remember <laughs> my little boy was sick. He was just a little chap. And he had what is called a wry neck. I don't know if you know what wry neck is. It's a kind of a disease that when he was born, I don't know, his, his head would just go right over to his shoulder. 
and, and his ear would be able to touch his, his shoulder bone. And, and whenever he was getting sick, he would just keel over this way. <laughs> One day I was sitting in the living room. Please excuse the information. I was sitting down, and I noticed that his neck went over. And I look at his face, and he was getting ready to throw up. And I couldn't get to the washroom fast enough, so I gave him my hands. My friends, it was a logical response to the love I had for my son. That kind of a behavior, that kind of a love does not come from mom or dad. It comes from God. It comes from God. That you are able to make any sacrifice to love another person, that kind of a love comes from God. For greater love has no man than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. And if, if, if the image into which I am being created, being renewed, is like the image of the Lord Jesus, then I am willing to lay down my life for the one that I love. Paul puts it this way, that it is God who is at work in you both to will and to do of his pleasure. By the way, Romans 8, 28, we all know it. Most of us know it. We know that all things work together for good to those who are called according to the purpose of God. All things work together for good for God's purpose. What's, what's it, what is his purpose? His purpose is to make us into the image of his son. So that even when I go through some difficulty, my friends, God is using that to create in me my new self so that my new self will be just like his son so that I'm able to respond, react, to serve like his son. That's the providence in my redressing. It is not something that I just say I like and I'm going to adapt. No, it is something that God is working in me that I am able to work out by his grace. And then Paul goes on to show what this new wardrobe can do. Ephesians 3.11. What this wardrobe can do. I listen to a lot of speeches and so on, not so much because I want to emulate anybody, but because I want to know the content of what they're saying. Please listen to what the capacity of this new wardrobe can do. It has the ability to do things that no human institution can do. First, it can overcome ethnic diversity. Don't we hear it today? This is racist. That is racist. You know, actually, I hardly listen to those things anymore. It's like an overkill. Everything is racist. When I wear the new wardrobe in the family of God, a divine surgery takes place that 
my thinking to other about other people is transformed. And he gives us five groups that are affected by my new wardrobe. One, there is no distinction, says Paul. In fact, the idea of that Greek word, there's no, that there cannot be. There isn't. I can bring things into it, but it doesn't mean that that is it. So in this new wardrobe, there cannot be ethnic prejudice and so on. First, he said, Greek. This is describing a man or woman who, who, who was born in Greece, belonging to the Greek island or colonies, who naturalized themselves to become a Greek person by nationality. Now, the Greek was known for their knowledge. And the Greek, when they, in fact, they wanted to make all the world Greek so that you might, you might have class, you might be able to speak with, with, with a language that fascinates people because you understand certain things. You're a student of Plato. You're a student of Aristotle. So the Greek were the, the mind, the mind of the past. Circumcision, uh, the Jew, the Jew is one who is born from Jewish parents. In Philippians 3, 4 to 9, Paul said, I had everything that was going for me nationally. But when I became a Christian, I started to find those things not being necessary for my own identity. Circumcision is a religious practice, an exercise that gives you the right to become a part of a community or belonging to that community. A barbarian. A barbarian is one who, who is uncouth. Doesn't have any class. His language is kind of a language that nobody would... The, the moment a barbarian opens his mouth, a person feels, uh-uh, not him. Scythian. Modern-day Russia. And, and, and look, all these groups, Paul said, when I put on the new wardrobe, I began to see, now listen, these are people within the Christian community now, I began to see them as a part of me. I began to see them as, as, as relating to me, not from the standpoint of what my eyes can see, but what the blood of Jesus Christ has produced in me in order to see them, slave or free. As the person who was born in slavery, and, and these people were not necessarily born enslaved, they would give themselves, because they might be in debt or something, to become a slave of a rich uh, landowner and so on, and they would be theirs for a time. But then between that time, listen to this, between that time, that slave might become a Christian. And guess what the slave would be able to do? Teach the free man about God. I mean, just amazing stuff. That's economic diversity. Slave and free. 
So in the church, we don't relate to people because of what they have and what they don't have. See, here's this wardrobe working its way through. The ethnic diversities in the world, in the church. Listen to James. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you sit over there somewhere, or sit down there somewhere at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions? Listen, have you not made? There is no distinction. When I do that, I am putting into my wardrobe that which it didn't come with. That's not the right grammatical way to say that. You don't end a sentence with a preposition. You say, that is not the way in which it came, not what it, it, it finished with. Because with looks for something else. James says, it, it's not to be that way. Listen, my brothers. Has not God chosen who, those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom? But you have dishonored the poor. Are not the rich ones who oppresses you and the one who drags you into court? Here's the power of this gospel. It, it, gives, you the, it gives you the capacity to be able to change people's whole view. And my friends, we are spending millions and billions of dollars to say, can't we just get along? How can I get along if I don't like you? Can't we just relate? No, we can't. Do you know, in, in Canada, where I'm from, if you go to Quebec and you have an, an American license plate in your car, the, the, the Quebecer will talk to you because you come from America. If you come from Alberta with a Canadian plate, not going to talk to you in French, in, in English, because if you come from any other part of Canada going to Quebec, you better speak French. If you come from outside, you're excused. <laughs> but if you come from within, you're not. I remember several, several years ago, we were driving through Quebec, and the family I lived with in the, in the West came from that part of the country, and we got, I was following them, and we got lost. And I thought, oh my word, what am I going to do now? I don't speak French. They won't speak English. I'm in trouble. I went into a store. Lois was with me. She can tell you this. Went into a store to try and ask questions, and they just looked at you as, what planet did you fall from? Please listen. I've got to tell you this. We decided almost to walk out of the store downhearted, and as we walked out of the store, guess who was just driving by? The family had just lost. As if the providence of God was taking care of us right there. There they were, driving right by. They saw me, they waved, I saw them, and we were able to take our trip. I'm going to tell you what's going to change that attitude, the blood of Jesus Christ. 
In the blood of Christ, he breaks down our national, ethnic boundaries. And my friends, when we get to heaven, we are going to find that the blood of Christ drew men from the north and from the south, from the east and from the west. He drew people who were below in, 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 in the sense of education and, and, and money. And they sit around the throne and they have one language. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty who loved us and gave himself for us. That's the power of this new wardrobe. The power of the new man overpowers the human physical distinctions that, and, and, and places one group, one group related to one another with a union that is so absolutely powerful that nothing on earth can be, can be compared with it. And my friends, if, if we don't if we don't love Jesus that way. That's why in certain places there are still difficulties because the wardrobe is not being worn. There's no redressing. We're still wearing the old wardrobe. In summary then, in summary, I like the way how Paul ends this. Verse 12, uh, 11, I'm sorry. And, but Christ is all and in all. But Christ is all and in Lord. The energy for wearing the new wardrobe is Christ in me. It, it's it's my, not only my union with him, but my drawing from him. What he gives, he becomes my bread that sustains me. He becomes my drink that quenches my thirst for anything else, and I draw from him. Listen to what ran, I couldn't do it any better than this, so I decided to quote it. This is a quotation written way back. Listen to what he says. Christ has dispossessed and obliterated all distinctions of religious prerogatives and intellectual prominence and social caste. Christ has substituted himself for all these. Christ occupies the whole sphere of my life and permeates every step of my de development. I love that. He permeates every step. So in the fifth century, and I close with this, St. Philip wrote this. See, Paul said, Christ is all and Christ is in all. Christ be with me. Christ within me. Christ behind me. Christ before me. Christ beside me. Christ to win me. Christ to comfort. Christ to restore me. Christ beneath me. Christ above me. Christ in quiet. Christ in danger, Christ in hearts of all that love me, Christ in mouth of friends and stranger. The new wardrobe, my friends, is the life that was lived on earth centuries ago, now in heaven, who provides the wardrobe for us to wear, and may we wear it well.
O God, grant that we did not simply hear, but that we will obey your word to wear the, the, the robe of righteousness. Revelation says that the white linen are the righteous behavior of the people of God. May we, by the grace of God, put off whatever that wardrobe did not bring and put on what that wardrobe delivered. Can you take a moment, friend, and examine your own hearts to see if you need to make a change this morning? The change of the wardrobe begins at the cross. It is when we put our faith in Jesus Christ and repent toward God that the wardrobe is given. You might want to ask Christ into your life to give you that wardrobe this morning. Or you might want to ask his forgiveness for not wearing it well. And begin the process of wearing it well. Hear the cry of our hearts, O God, for the wardrobe or for the proper wearing of it. In Jesus' name, amen.